fun to watch. Honest 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast series recaps, everybody. Bobby Blanco, your host right here. Apologies for no podcast on Friday last week. Got caught up with some stuff, some uh, work stuff, and but that's all taken care of now, and we're back at it. I guess if there was a series to miss, it would be a home sweep by the Brave. So let's not talk about that one, kind of forget it ever happened, and move on to the weekend series against the Yankees. Entering this series, the Nationals obviously were three games below 500 at 12 and 15, back in last place of the National League East, two and a half games below the Phillies, and visiting Yankee Stadium for the first time since 2018. So let's break it all down. In the American League ballpark, the Nats were able to put Juan Soto back in the starting lineup as the designated hitter. He would end up DHing twice this weekend, starting in right field on Saturday and getting through it pretty easily. So we should be expecting to see Juan Soto back in right field this week at Nationals Park back in the National League Stadium. Friday's series opener was a great game for the Nats as a late offensive explosion propelled them to an 11-4 win. The game was tied at 3-3 entering the 8th thanks to Josh Bell and Jan Gomes homers for the Nationals, two DJ LeMahieu homers and Gary Sanchez long ball for the Yankees off Nats starter Patrick Corbin. Enter the eighth inning, and the Nats would run away with this one thanks to contact at the plate, executing little things, and some defensive errors by the Yanks. Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber would hit RBI singles. A run would score off a fielding error off Yankee shortstop Glaber Torres, but the dagger would come on a three-run home run by Josh Harrison. That ball is hammered to left. See you later. Harrison knew it. Came skipping out of the box. And the Nets have a four-run eighth inning. That monster inning would lead to a 9-3 Nats lead, and they would add on to it in the ninth with the Juan Soto two-run homer. Ooh. That breaking ball, he waited for it, hit it a long way to left center. See you later. Oppo for Juan Soto. Two for five. His third of the year. <laughs> this guy owns the Big Apple, folks. This was just Juan Soto's second career game at Yankee Stadium. And at the end of it, he was hitting 500, four for eight, with three home runs, a walk, and six RBIs. Kyle Finnegan ended up with the win in this one. He went 2-0. and And Jonathan Loisiga took the loss for the Yankees, now 3-2. 11 runs, 10 hits, zero errors for the Nats. Four runs, five hits, three errors for the Yankees. Everyone who stepped to the plate for the Nats reached base somehow. And Victor Robles and pinch hitter Andrew Stevenson were the only ones to not record a hit. Though Stevenson did draw a walk in his one plate appearance. On the mound, Patrick Corbin turned in a quality start. Three runs on three solo home runs, four hits, no walks, two strikeouts over six innings. He threw 81 pitches, 48 for strikes. And out of the bullpen, an interesting note, when Kyle Finnegan walked Gary Sanchez in the seventh inning with a questionable call on a 3-2 slider, that ended a streak of 29 consecutive batters retired by the Nats bullpen over the course of four games. Obviously doesn't count, but that would have been good enough for a perfect game, plus two. Game two set up a great opportunity for the Nats to win the series in the first two games with Max Scherzer taking them out on Saturday. And when he eventually did face the Yankees after a two-hour, 55-minute rain delay, 
He gave them the perfect chance to do just that. Max would carve up the Yankees lineup over seven and a third innings, striking out a season-high 14 on 109 pitches. After the end of the first inning, he already found himself 20th on MLB's all-time career strikeouts list with 2,833. He had 10Ks through four innings, his 100th career game with 10-plus strikeouts. Only Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, and Pedro Martinez have 100 or more 10-plus strikeout games. And when Max finished with 14, it was his 11th career game with 14-plus strikeouts. No other active pitcher in Major League Baseball has more. The 14Ks also set a record for strikeouts by a visiting pitcher in New Yankee Stadium. The only blip was a solo home run by catcher Kyle Igashioka in the third. And thanks to a bases-loaded walk by Juan Soto and a Starling Castro RBI single, Max departed the game in the eighth with a 2-1 lead. But the Yankees were able to force extras in the ninth with Brad Hand on the mound. Hand issued a leadoff walk to DJ LeMahieu, then back-to-back singles to Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres to knot the game at 2-2 going into the 10th. Andrew Stevenson was the pinch runner for the Nats on second base to start the 10th, and they were able to score him with a Victor Robles single and Trey Turner sack fly, but with an opportunity to add more, the Nats could only settle for the 3-2 lead. Brad Hand came back out for his second inning of work for a second chance to close out the victory, but he gave up a leadoff RBI single to Mike Ford, which again tied the game at 3-3. David Martinez would replace Hand with Kyle Finnegan, who would at least get the game to the 11th, but nonetheless, a tough outing for the Nationals' closer. And the Nats went down 1-2-3 in the 11th, and with Tanner Rainey pitching in the bottom of the frame, the Yankees drew back-to-back walks to load the bases and set up Glaber Torres' walk-off infield single. Justin Wilson earned the win for the Yankees. Tanner Rainey fell to 0-2 for the Nationals. Three runs, eight hits, zero errors for the Nats. Four runs, six hits, zero errors for the Yankees in 11 innings. A tough one for the Nats and Max Scherzer to swallow. Sunday, series finale wouldn't go much better for the Nats still with a chance to win the series they were down 2-0 in the 7th and then got a jolt of life thanks to a 2-run bomb by Kyle Schwarber Schwarber gets one high in the air to right fair see you later it wasn't a bat toss it was more like a microphone drop And he ties the game just like that. This was just Schwarber's third homer of the season, but all three have been significant. Two walk-off blasts in D.C. and now in game-tying two-run shot at Yankee Stadium. Flash forward to the ninth inning and Brad Hand getting another shot at redemption from Saturday's meltdown, but this outing wouldn't go much better either. He issued another leadoff walk and then another one to put two runners on and set up Giancarlo Stanton's walk-off single for a 3-2 Yankees win. Brad Hand took his first loss of the season to fall to 2-1. A Roldis Chapman improved to 2-0 for the Yankees. Two runs, eight hits, zero errors for the Nats. Three runs, five hits, zero errors for the Yankees. Trey Turner had a three-hit day on this Mother's Day, and Starling Castro added two hits. On the mound, a solid outing by Joe Ross, just two runs and three hits over five innings, but he struck out seven while issuing five walks on 97 pitches. While Sam Clay pitched a scoreless sixth inning, and Austin Voth gave Davey Martinez two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. The Nats are now 13-17 and 17 on the season, three and a half games out of first place in the division, are heading home for a quick three-game set against the second-place Phillies before heading back on the road. Let's check out the opposite dugout. The Philadelphia Phillies are managed by Joe Girardi in his second season. They are currently 18-17, second place in the National League East, one game behind the New York Mets. Over the last 10 games, they're 6-4 thanks to a four-game sweep of the Brewers, though they did drop the last two of three to the Braves over this past weekend. 
But it's also probably important to note that the Phils are 13-6 and at home, but only 5-11 and on the road as they come to Nationals Park this week. And of course, this is their first season meeting against the Nationals. They won 7 of 10 games last year against D.C. And it, for the pitching probables, Tuesday's opener, Chase Anderson will get the ball from Joe Girardi for the 7.05 start on Masson against Eric Fetty. Wednesday night's game, Zach Wheeler will face John Lester at 7.05 on Masson. And then Thursday's getaway day at a 1 o'clock on Masson and MLB Network out of market. It'll be Zach Eflin versus Patrick Corbin. Of course, expectations are high in Philadelphia. Not that they ever are not, but now the Phillies are in their third season of Bryce Harper's massive contract and trying to make the postseason for the first time since 2011. Dave Dombrowski was named the president of baseball operations in December. Of course, a two-time World Series champion with the Boston Red Sox. And catcher JT Romuto re-signed for five years, $115.5 million. The $23.1 million average annual value is the highest ever for a catcher. And shortstop D.D. Gregorius re-signed for two years, $28 million. This lineup is filled with big names and, of course, led by Bryce Harper, who is hitting .292 with a 960 OPS, six home runs, and 10 RBIs on the season. First baseman Reese Hoskins leads the team with eight home runs to go along with his 19 RBIs, but he's only hitting 233 on the young season, while Remuto is hitting 313 with a 930 OPS, even though he's only had four homers and 16 RBIs, while Gene Segura is surprisingly hitting 384 in 20 games with a 923 OPS. So lots of ups and downs here. They aren't getting averages and homers from Andrew McCutcheon, Alec Baum, and Didi Gregorius, though they always pose a threat at the plate. So they're pretty well spread out, getting averages from some guys, home runs and RBIs from others, slugging, stuff like that from across the lineup. So this lineup pretty powerful should pose an interesting threat for the Nationals pitchers this week. But even with all that firepower potential in the lineup, pitching has always been the Phillies' Achilles heel over the past handful of season. Chase Anderson signed a one-year $4 million deal right before spring training. He's 1-3 with a 5-5-4 ERA. Hasn't pitched out of the fifth inning yet this season and has given up multiple runs in all but one of his starts. He's 0-2 with an ERA over 16 in three career starts against the Nationals, giving up 17 runs in just nine and a third innings. Tuesday's starter Zach Wheeler came to Philly as a free agent from the Mets in December 2019, signing a five-year, $118 million contract. He is 3-2 with a 2-8-3 ERA over seven starts this season and is coming off a complete game shutout against the Brewers in his last outing in which he walked none and struck out eight and what would be his second career shutout. He has now reached the ninth inning in two of his last three starts, and obviously having spent his entire career to this point in the National League East, he has a long history versus the Nats. He has posted in a 6-11 record with a 4-6-4 ERA in 20 starts. And then Zach Eflin gets the ball for Thursday's matinee game. He's been solid this season, going 2-1 with a 3-3-8 ERA over seven starts. Though he's been inconsistent with how many runs he allows, sometimes one or two, other times four or more, he has been consistent in the innings he's been able to give Joe Girardi, going at least six in each of his starts. And he pounds the strike zone, issuing only three walks, one intentional in his 45 and a third inning so far while striking out 42. And in nine career starts against the Nats, he's 4-3 and three with a 4.26 ERA. Now out of the bullpen, this is the area, of course, where the Phillies needed to improve the most. They had an historically bad bullpen a year ago. A lot of experts saying they didn't do too much to improve for 2021. They acquired left-hander Jose Alvarado in a trade from the Rays for left-hander Garrett Clevenger in a three-team deal. And they signed right-hander Archie Bradley to a one-year $6 million contract this offseason. But he's been on the IL with a left oblique injury since mid-April. 
while old friend Brandon Kinsler signed a minor league deal with the team worth up to $3 million if he made the major league team. He's made 11 appearances so far this season for the Phils, yet they still post the fourth-worst ERA in the National League and third-worst average against amongst all the bullpens. And uh, closer Hector Neres has been solid with an ERA under three, six saves and eight opportunities, and Sam Coonrod has a 113 ERA in 14 outings. But looking at the rest of the Phillies' pen, it's a lot of ERAs well over three, and even more so well over five and six. So Nats Park will still be at 25% capacity this week. Nearly 10,300 fans allowed inside the stadium. Hopefully the weather will be a little warmer than it was over this past weekend and a lot less rain. That'll be nice to see. So be sure to get out there, get to Nationals Park, cheer on the Nats, make the 10,000 feel like 50,000 um, as this is a quick homestand uh, will fly by from Tuesday through Thursday. That's going to do it for this series recap. Be sure to tune into the Philly series on Madison if you're not attending the games this week. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Madison All Access Podcast. Again, apologies for the lack of an episode late last week, but be sure to follow, subscribe to the Madison All Access Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And check out our live regular uh, weekly scheduled episode. Myself, Amy Jennings, this Tuesday afternoon. We'll be live on Facebook, YouTube, on Twitter, at Madison Nationals across the board on social media and be sure to check out Mark Zuckerman's work on massinsports.com. You can give me a follow on Twitter myself at Bobby underscore Blanco. The next episode will drop Thursday night. Thanks to a one o'clock start recapping this Philly series and looking ahead to another road trip starting in Arizona against the Diamondbacks until then enjoy the games and we'll see you later. 